Chapter Nine of Ziska by Marie Corelli, read by Ilianthi. What a strange and awful face it was! What a thing of distorted passion and pain! What an agony was expressed in every line of the features! Agony in which the traces of a divine beauty lingered only to render the whole countenance more repellent and terrific. A kind of sentient solemnity mingled with wrath and terror, glared from the painted eyes. The lips, slightly parted in a cruel upward curve, seemed about to utter a shriek of menace. The hair drooping in black, thick clusters, low on the brow, looked wet as with the dews of the rigor mortis, and to add to the mysterious horror of the whole conception, the distinct outline of a death's head was seen plainly through the rose-brown flesh tints. There was no real resemblance in this horrible picture to the radiant and glowing loveliness of the Princess Ziska. Yet, at the same time, there was sufficient dim likeness to make an imaginative person think it might be possible for her to assume that appearance in death. Several minutes passed in utter silence. Then Lord Fulkwood suddenly rose. "'I'm going,' he said. "'It's a beastly thing. It makes me sick.' "'Grand merci,' said Gervaise, with a forced smile. "'I really can't help it,' declared the young man, turning his back to the picture. "'If I am rude, you must excuse it. I'm not very strong. My mother will tell you I get put out very easily.' and I shall dream of this horrid face all night, if I don't give it a wide berth. And without any further remark, he stepped out through the open window into the garden, and walked off. Gervaise made no comment on his departure. He turned his eyes towards Dr. Dean, who with spectacles on nose, was staring hard at the picture, with every sign of the deepest interest. "'Well, doctor,' he said, you see, it is not at all like the princess. Oh, yes, it is, returned the doctor placidly. If you could imagine the princess's face in torture, it would be like her. It is the kind of expression she might wear if she suddenly met with a violent end. But why should I paint her so? demanded Gervaise. She was perfectly tranquil, and her attitude was most picturesquely composed. I sketched her as I thought I saw her. How did this tortured head come on my canvas? The doctor scratched his chin thoughtfully. It was certainly a problem. He stared hard at Gervaise, as though searching for the clue to the mystery in the handsome artist's own face. Then he turned to Denzil Murray, who had not stirred or spoken. What do you think of it, eh, Denzil? he asked. The young man started as from a dream. I don't know what to think of it. And you? said the doctor, addressing Ross Courtney. I, oh, I am of the same opinion as Falkwood. I think it is a horrible thing, and the curious part of the matter is that it is like the Princess Ziska, and yet totally unlike. Upon my word, you know, it is a very unpleasant picture." Dr. Dean got up and paced the room two or three times, his brows knitted in a heavy frown. Suddenly he stopped in front of Gervaise. "'Tell me,' he said, 
have you any recollection of ever having met the princess ziska before gervaise looked puzzled then answered slowly no i have no actual recollection of the kind at the same time i admit to you that there is something about her which has always struck me as being familiar the tone of her voice and the peculiar cadence of her laughter particularly affect me in this way last night when i was dancing with her i wondered whether i had ever come across her as a model in one of the studios in paris or rome the doctor listened to him attentively watching him narrowly the while but he shook his head incredulously at the idea of the princess ever having posed as a model no no that won't do he said i do not believe she was ever in the model business think again you are now a man in the prime of life monsieur gervaise but look back to your early youth the period when young men do wild reckless and often wicked things did you ever in that thoughtless time break a woman's heart gervaise flushed and shrugged his shoulders by you i may have done who can tell but if i did what would that have to do with this and he tapped the picture impatiently the doctor sat down and smacked his lips with a peculiar air of enjoyment it would have a great deal to do with it he answered that is psychologically speaking i have known of such cases we will argue the point out systematically thus suppose that you in your boyhood had wronged some woman and suppose that woman had died you might imagine you had got rid of that woman but if her love was very strong and her sense of outrage very bitter i must tell you that you have not got rid of her by any means moreover you never will get rid of her and why because of her soul like all souls is imperishable now putting it as a mere supposition and for the sake of the argument that you feel a certain admiration for the princess ziska an admiration which might possibly deepen into something more than platonic here denzil murray looked up his eyes glowing with an angry pain as he fixed them on gervaise well then the soul of the other woman you once wronged might come between you and the face of the new attraction cause you to unconsciously paint the tortured look of the injured and unforgiving spirit on the countenance of the lovely fascinator whose charms are just beginning to ensnare you i repeat i have known of such cases and unheeding the amazed and incredulous looks of his listeners the little doctor folded both his short arms across his chest and hugged himself in the exquisite delight of his own strange theories the fact is he continued you cannot get rid of ghosts they are all about us everywhere sometimes they take forms sometimes they are content to remain invisible but they never fail to make their presence felt often during the performance of some great piece of music they drift between the air and the melody making the sounds wilder and more haunting and freezing the blood of the listener with a vague agony and chill sometimes they come between us and our friends mysteriously forbidding any further exchange of civilities or sympathies and occasionally they meet us alone and walk and talk with us invisibly generally they mean well but sometimes they mean ill and the only explanation i can offer you monsieur gervaise as to the present picture problem is that a ghost must have come between you and your canvas 
"'My good friend, you're an adept in the art of pleading the impossible. "'You must excuse me. "'I am a sceptic, and I hope I am also in possession of my sober reason. "'Therefore, you can hardly wonder at my entirely refusing to accept such preposterous theories "'as those you appear to believe in.' "'Dr. Dean gave him a civil little bow. "'I do not ask you to accept them, my dear sir. "'I state my facts, and you can take them or leave them.' just as you please. You yourself can offer no explanation of the singular way in which this picture has been produced. I offer one which is perfectly tenable with the discoveries of psychic science, and you dismiss it as preposterous. That being the case, I should recommend you cut up this canvas and try your hand again on the same subject. Of course I shall try again, retorted Gervaise, but I do not think I shall destroy this first sketch. It is a curiosity in its way, and it has a peculiar fascination for me. Do you notice how thoroughly Egyptian the features are? They are the very contour of some of the faces on the recently discovered frescoes. Oh, I noticed that at once, said the doctor, but that is not remarkable, seeing that you yourself are quite of an Egyptian type, though a Frenchman. So much so, in fact, that many people in this hotel have commented on it. Gervaise said nothing, but slowly turned the canvas round with its face to the wall. "'You have seen enough of it, I suppose?' he inquired of Denzil Murray. "'More than enough.' Gervaise smiled. "'It ought to disenchant you,' he said in a lower tone. "'But it is a libel on her beauty. It is not in the least like her,' returned Murray coldly. "'Not in the very least. Are you sure, my dear Denzil?' You know as well as I do that there is a likeness, combined with a dreadful unlikeness, and it is that which troubles both of us. I assure you, my good boy, I am as sorry for you as I am for myself, for I feel that this woman will be the death of one or both of us. Denzil made no reply, and presently they all strolled out in the garden and lit their cigars and cigarettes, with the exception of Dr. Dean, who never smoked and never drank anything stronger than water. "'I'm going to get up a party for the Nile,' he said, as he turned his sharp ferret-like eyes upward to the clear heavens, "'and I shall take the princess into my confidence. In fact, I have written to her about it today. I hear she has a magnificent electric dahabir, and if she will let us charter it—' "'She won't,' said Denzil hastily, "'unless she goes with it herself.' "'You seem to know a great deal about her,' observed Dr. Dean indulgently. "'And why should she not go herself? "'She is evidently well instructed in the ancient history of Egypt, "'and as she reads the hieroglyphs, she will be a delightful guide "'and a most valuable assistant to me in my researches.' "'What researches are you engaged upon now?' inquired Courtney. "'I'm hunting down a man called Araxes,' answered the doctor. "'He lived so far as I can make out,' some four or five thousand years ago, more or less, and I want to find out what he did, and how he died, and when I know how he died, then I mean to discover where he is buried. If possible, I shall excavate him. I also want to find the remains of Ziska Charmazel, the lady impersonated by our charming friend, the princess, last night. The dancer, who it appears from a recently discovered fresco, occupied most of her time, in dancing before this same Araxes, and making herself generally agreeable to him. "'What an odd fancy!' exclaimed Denzil. 
how can a man and woman dead five thousand years ago be of any interest to you what interest has rameses demanded the doctor politely or any of the ptolemies araxes like rameses may lead to fresh discoveries in egypt for all we know one name is as good as another and each odiferous mummy has its own mystery they all came just then to a pause in their walk gervaise stopping to light a fresh cigarette the rays of the rising moon fell upon him as he stood a tall and stately figure against a background of palms and shone on his dark features with a touch of greyish-green luminance that gave him for the moment an almost spectral appearance dr dean glanced at him with a smile what a figure of an egyptian is he not he said to courtney and denzil murray look at him what height and symmetry what a world of ferocity in those black slumbrous eyes yes monsieur gervaise i am talking about you i am admiring you drop d'honneur murmured gervaise carefully shielding with one hand the match with which he was kindling his cigarette yes continued the doctor i am admiring you being a little man myself i naturally like tall men and as an investigator of psychic forms i am immensely interested when i see a finely made body in which the soul lies torpid that is why you unconsciously compose for me a wonderful subject of study i wonder now how long this torpidity in the psychic germ has lasted in you it commenced of course originally in protoplasm but it must have continued through various low forms and met with enormous difficulties in attaining to individual consciousness as man because even now it is scarcely conscious gervaise laughed why that beginning of the soul in protoplasm is part of a creed which the princess ziska was trying to teach me to-day he said lightly it's all no use i don't believe in the soul if i did i should be a miserable man why asked murray why because my dear fellow i should be rather afraid of my future i should not like to live again i might have to remember certain incidents which i would rather forget there is your charming sister mademoiselle helene i must go and talk to her her conversation always does me good and after that picture which i have been unfortunate enough to produce her presence will be as soothing as the freshness of morning after an unpleasant nightmare he moved away denzil murray with courtney followed him dr dean remained behind and presently sitting down in a retired corner of the garden alone he took out a small pocket-book and stylographic pen and occupied himself for more than half an hour in busily writing till he had covered two or three pages with his small neat calligraphy it is the most interesting problem i have had the chance of studying he murmured half aloud when he had finished of course if my research into the psychic spheres of action are worth anything it can only be one case out of thousands thousands ay perhaps millions great heavens among what terrific unforeseen forces we live and in exact proportion to every man's arrogant denial of the divinity that shapes our ends so will be measured out to him the revelation of the invisible strange that the human race has never entirely realized as yet the depth of meaning in the words describing hell where the worm dieth not 
and where the flame is never quenched the worm is retribution the flame is the immortal spirit and the two are forever striving to escape from the other horrible and yet there are men who believe in neither one thing nor the other and reject the redemption that does away with both god forgive us all our sins and especially the sins of pride and presumption and with a shade of profound melancholy on his features the little doctor put by his notebook and avoiding all the hotel loungers on the terrace and elsewhere retired to his own room and went to bed End of chapter 9